You might think the financial and operational success of your technology venture is based on things like sales, marketing, admin, research and development. You would be partially correct in thinking that. Something that's often forgotten is the mental fitness of the leaders in those companies, the people who are making daily decisions that impact the company, the team. Today in this episode, we ask the question, what's the connection between mental fitness of leaders and corporate performance? To get that answer, keep watching this episode of Techopia Live. everyone, I'm Michael Curran from the Ottawa Business Journal. Welcome to Techopia Live. This is a regular podcast from Ottawa Business Journal that features executives from next generation technology companies. We want to shine a spotlight on the up and comers and we want to keep you updated on the established players all with a goal of keeping the local tech sector informed and connected. Today is a bonus episode of Techopia Live and these bonus episodes are specifically designed to highlight the great work that's done by our Techopia champions. These are the organizations that fund Techopia. So they fund the daily reporting and the podcasts and the email newsletters and the magazines, and all that great stuff. Uh, today's uh, bonus episodes, we're focusing on Number Crunch. Uh, Number Crunch has a mission, is on a mission to empower entrepreneurs, especially when it comes to their corporate finances. They allow entrepreneurs to outsource things like AP, AR, uh, payroll, HSD, bank recs, uh, budget variation, cash flow, all that type of stuff. And beyond uh, bookkeeping, Number Crunch does some really high value stuff. The virtual controllership where they do data-driven insights into your company and the virtual CFO stuff, uh, which is the real strategic uh, input. Number Crunch works with a remarkable number of technology startups in the city. And I urge you to check them out. You'll be hearing more about them today. Uh, given Number Crunch's expertise, you might guess that this episode is going to deal with valuations or how to prepare for M&A. Uh, we've done that stuff before, by the way. Uh, but if you guess that, you're wrong. That's not what we're talking about at all. In fact, if you know Number Crunch, you might go, oh, that's really interesting that we picked this topic. But we're going to be looking at the connection uh, between corporate performance and the mental state of the leader. Yes, you heard that correctly. To properly set up today's episode, let's introduce a return guest who's playing more of a role of a co-host today. She's the co-founder and managing partner of Number Crunch and does a lot of great things in our city, uh, very active. She's done things like volunteer, of course, for Invest Ottawa and Canada North, uh, Canada North Business Association. Please welcome Susan Richards. Here she comes. There's Hi. Susan. So excited to be here. Thank you so much, yeah. Michael. Always yeah. fun. This is so we've done this a few times, and I do urge people to go back and look at some of the past episodes. And if you want the really kind of meat and potatoes stuff that Number Crunch does, go check out the past episodes. This one's different. So we were brainstorming this, Susan, and you had uh, an idea that I think was based on an observation. You work very, very closely uh, with um, lo local tech leaders and some people in other businesses as well, but we'll focus on tech leaders here. And you made this kind of observation. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, you know that when you see something that you can't unsee, and I was seeing it repeatedly, um, and it, it 
stemmed, like when I was considering topics, um, we do often talk about metrics and, and financial, you know, capital efficiency, just published an article uh, in Techopia around that. And that's really important. But at the end of the day, decisions need to be made and the mental state of the founder or the CEO, the leader um, or leadership team is so key and critical. And what I noticed was um, that on a good day, all kinds of great activities are happening and good decisions are being made and strategies being deployed. But on a bad day, the business performance really suffered. And, and the quantity of bad days that founders are suffering and the, the ability, the resiliency to bounce back the, was impacting cognitive ability, which was impacting relationships. And those relationships are holistic, like worth talking. If there's issues going on at home, they affect the workplace, um, issues with the team, issues with investors. Um, and so a whole host of things. And I was noticing and unable to not notice the mental agility and strength of, of founders. And, and so I was really appreciative when you were um, open to this idea of going outside the box here, because I think this is really important to the, like we're st actually staying on, on trend for financial guidance, but the path to it, the, the road that we're taking is a little bit different than what people might expect. Mm -hmm. And you use this analogy that, that really drove home the point uh, to me, Susan, and it's, you know, how many CEOs or executives from technology companies are, are making it a regular uh, occurrence to go to the gym, yeah. to do some cycling, some swimming, some running, all that type of stuff. So they're, they're all in on that. They fully recognize that they need to have a level of physical fitness and, and, and physical health to do their jobs. And then you asked me how many of them are considering their mental fitness. And I was like, whoa, that's such a good point. It's so true. Like habit stacking has been on trend for, I would say, a decade. It's certainly the last five years. So the top founders in Ottawa that have, have performed really well have built a, a, a habitual habit of wellness. Uh, they eat well. They get up early in the morning. They're exercising. They're having balanced nutrition. They may be doing, uh, they're probably doing sports of some kind. They may be doing yoga now and maybe even meditation. But that's that would be at the cusp of it. That even I had a practice of meditation um, and I could get to 11 a.m., 12 a.m. Um, and then the rest of the day happens. And um, I recognize through, you know, these guests that we're going to have on the program today that there are very simple habitual things that you can do to keep that cognitive function going throughout the day that give energy, clarity, they um, keep everything stable. Um, and so that's what I'm very eager to bring forward um, because yeah. I see it could really help. I think I think it's very enlightened, and and we're seeing evidence by this. Uh, by the way, in the in the in the city of this, I was thinking uh, there's an event coming up uh, next week at uh, Invest Ottawa, uh, where some uh, local tech leaders will be sharing kind of some uh, information on their own personal mental health. So there is this sense that we need to come to this point, and it needs to go, you know, behind uh, beyond mindfulness. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll put it that way. Excellent. And I love the timing of this because last month was actually Mental Health Awareness That's right. Month. 
Um, but you know, like all things like January, everybody goes to the gym. Well, how many are going to the gym on February? So I feel like this is coming in at a time where, okay, we became aware last month or we refreshed our mindfulness around mental health, but what do we do now? How do yeah. we do, how do we implement into our lives? And, and this is these programs that we're like uh, the leaders we're talking to today have programs that you can easily incorporate into a busy executive business owner life. A lot of things, it's hot or cold for business owners because they have to make so many decisions during the day. They have, you know, 80 hour weeks. Um, but these are little micro things we can do um, that focus on awareness, um, inflection, um, and habitual behaviors. So I, I think it's going to be super helpful. And I'm very curious to see um, you know, how people feel uh, about yeah. it and it drives a conversation in the community. That's a great point. Great point. We'll have to try to leverage today's podcast to get some feedback. So listen, we've, we've set up the guests. Let's let's get down to, to uh, as we say, the meat and potatoes of the show. Uh, today's show is divided into two separate interviews, uh, both local people, both with considerable expertise, both with interesting uh, and unique approaches to dealing with this issue of mental uh, fitness. So let's welcome our uh, first guest right now. Uh, she is Julia Borgen of Positive Intelligence. Here's Julia. Hey, Julia. Hi, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, we're so happy for you to be here. And I guess we'll start off at, with a very basic question, Julia, which is just tell us about Positive Intelligence and and uh, what this company is and, and uh, uh, what it does. Of course. So positive intelligence is a mental fitness framework and a brain training program that's app based and very often is coach facilitated as well. So and to summarize it, what it's really the outcome of it is really unleashing human potential. And um, today's we, it means different things to different people. So today we're talking about corporate performance, financial potential leadership potential ultimately right but it also can apply in many other areas in life like athletic performance or how good we are as a parent so because ultimately we use one brain for everything we do in life right so when we work on our mental fitness when we train our brain to respond to life challenges with positive rather than negative mindset it absolutely affects how we are as a leader mm -hmm but it spreads further than that. So that's why it's kind of the best back, the best bang for your buck in terms of time, you know, invested, but it's also in terms of like financial investment when, when leaders do so many different things for their companies, you know, leadership performance, collaboration, different things. Like this gets to the root cause of why we sabotage ourselves and what gets in the way of our ultimate performance. I, I just want to say, I think that's the key thing about positive intelligence, although the, the, word, the words and framework are positively worded, what we're doing um, in the positive uh, intelligence starting point really is a survey that helps you identify the saboteurs, because that's what happens to us. We wake up, even if, if you've trained yourself to have a good positive routine in the morning, you're in a good state of mind until something happens. And then how do you react to that? And that's the key thing um, here is identifying what those patterns are. And remarkably, when I took the assessment, um, 
well, I, I learned my first reaction was really um, my best friend corroborated the story that, in fact, that was true. And within 48 hours, for sure, I believed it. And and since then, um, it allows you to efficiently app through an app based program, actually, um, uh, you know, work that all out. Like you're almost unaware that you're sorting through things um, because of the way that it's set up. And I think that framework will appeal really to tech founders, to uh, the, you know, the tech audience um, in how we leverage efficient um, uh, tools for everything. And you can do that now for your brain. Yeah. And tell us about the assessment, Julia. Yeah, so um, uh, Susan is referring to the saboteur assessment that's available for free on our website. It takes less than five minutes to take, and, and it identifies um, nine patterns, and now we call them nine saboteurs that get in the way of our performance, well-being, and relationship. And the thing is that there is actually ten. And the, the main kind of master saboteur we all have, it's not on that specific assessment, it's a judge. And you know you, you know the judge by a couple modalities it has. It's inner critic, as the you know, critical voice inside our head that says we're not good enough no matter how much we do. It's a judge of others. And uh, you know, when blaming, when we blame, you know, other people or the judge of circumstances, when we think it's economy, it's the traffic, it's whatever else. But the, back to back to the assessment. So um, the assessment gives you the measure, you know, of the how high the voice of each saboteur is, is in your head. So it's from like zero or like one to ten. And so when you get the assessment, you know, it kind of gives you the idea of how much those mental patterns get in the way. And um, and I've seen a lot of assessments from clients and it's really like no other assessment is the same. And I would say those who are listening today, if you're in a leadership role, I can probably guarantee you will have controller as one of the, your top three yeah. hyperachiever. You know, it's just common. Yeah, <laughs> it's a given. It's a given. Yeah, so it's a very... It's a very kind of, it's a fun and easy way to kind of like get an instant self-awareness what's happening and also differentiates those voices from yourself. Because people can often say, oh, she's such a controller or I am, I'm a pleaser. It's not you are a pleaser. It's you have a pleaser saboteur, that tendency that when you're under stress and when you're in fear, because uh, saboteurs only like active when we're in fear mode. So they motivate us by fear. They are activated by fear. And um, yeah, and they definitely, I, I want to tell a little bit here about, you know, like explanation, kind of how it fits in and how our brain works, if that's okay. Um, so, you know, if the beauty of positive intelligence that it's such a radically simple framework, our brain is highly complex, but we like went to the root cause, simplified it for everybody to, people very easily use it. So when we're in fear, it's the mostly left side of the brain where those saboteurs live that gets activated, it gets active. And um, what, what happens to the other side, the mostly right side of the brain where our prefrontal cortex is, empathy circuitry, it goes offline. So it's not accessible. So sometimes we think we're under stress, we don't make good decision or we don't have enough willpower, but it's beyond our control at that point. 
because that that part of the brain is completely offline. So the secret sauce of the program is actually teaching us to shift the brain activation from that saboteur mode, fear-based mode, to what we call in the program sage mode of where we have access to our creativity and empathy and innovation and big picture thinking. I've got these, this, this is a ridiculous thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. It's like these little, min, I have this mental image of little minions running around, around, around <laughs> me now. And they're saboteurs. They're trying to throw me off my game and pull me into bad habits and that type of stuff, Julie. Anyway, I, I, I was struck uh, by the accuracy. I did take the survey, I think on Friday or Saturday. And I, I was like, wow. Yeah, that's exactly me. Uh, but uh, what I found was interesting is, why we're like that. So mm -hmm. I guess, uh, I, and I, of course, mm -hmm. I'm just at the surface level of this uh, still, Julia, but um, it, it's past childhood experiences, uh, I guess, as being suggested have uh, implanted certain behavior or thought uh, patterns in our head. Is that correct? Uh, yes, yes. It's definitely part of it because we didn't have full agency and control, you know, at that time. So we had to survive because they are kind of, they're, the role of saboteurs, while they're not serving us now, ultimately they were kind of created to, to keep us safe, you know, to, to help us survive. And, um, but right now, us being adults, it's not helpful anymore. So childhood experiences definitely play an effect. Uh, and also, um, saboteurs are kind of like another side of the coin from our greatest strengths. So let's some let's say somebody um, is highly analytical, very rational person. You know, like uh, really has a strong analytical, rational mind. Well, the liability would be that they would have a hyper rational saboteur if they are in fear. So they basically hijack the the kind of the sage strengths that you have. They don't have strengths. But they kind of, it becomes like, they take your strengths and take it too far. So it becomes like a liability. So, and I think that's also remember uh, important to remember that while, like, we want to intercept those saboteurs and not to listen to their voices, even if they tell us, like, I'm here to help you, you know, to achieve more, um, that you, what you're doing as part of the program is actually reclaiming your strengths. So when I look at the results that uh, clients have, I actually can very quickly also know what their strengths are that are being hijacked. Susan, we have time for one more question. And oh my goodness, Julie, I wish we could talk about this for like an hour or a whole day or a month or a week, whatever. Uh, but go ahead, go ahead. Uh, we'll, we'll hit you with one more uh, question, Julia. Yeah, I would love to um, have you highlight a little bit of the movement you can expect to see. So when people do the assessment, it's a free assessment to even get a reading of where they are. And then they do the program in general. Um, does it help them improve their overall resiliency? And, you know, over what time frame would the average person expect to see an impact? Yeah, that's a great question. So while results definitely vary individually and... Uh, um, the, the research shows that within just six weeks of practice, you know, that's when we see the change in the brain activity and that neuropathways get rewired. Some people see a shift like almost instantly just because of the, like within a week or two of the program, because there's so much awareness, just being yes. aware of it, but just being aware is not enough. You know, mm -hmm. you really need to train. You can read a book about fitness and become fit. Um, you know, you need to practice. So it's, yeah, I would say give it a good six weeks and you'll see huge results. And then like physical fitness, it becomes a lifelong practice. And Julie, if people want more information on positive intelligence, what should they do? Where should they go? 
Okay, so go to positiveintelligence.com and it has a lot of information and, and saboteur assessment and PQ score assessment, also free. And um, and I would like anybody who takes assessment, if they want to debrief or discuss kind of how to bring it to their company, um, just connect with me on LinkedIn. It's probably the best way. That's excellent. Well, thank you, Julia, for sharing all of this knowledge. Uh, I really do hope uh, people watching or listening to the podcast go check that out. I, I was very very, it was a very revealing process for me. And of course, I still need to do the fitness aspect of it. So thank you, Julia, for joining us today. Uh, we'll see you around town. Thank you, Julia. All right. And that was uh, Julia from Positive in Intelligence again. And we're, we still have one more great uh, speaker coming up, a uh, guest here. And uh, let's recognize him uh, now. He's been uh, in Ottawa working in this type of capacity for about 20 years. He's the co-founder and coach at a locally headquartered company called Conscious Lead. Uh, we've used them for a few OBJ people in the past, so fairly familiar with his work. Please welcome Trevor Stevenson. Hey, Trevor. Hey, Trevor. Hey, Michael. Hi, Susan. So excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. And tr Trevor, um, as I men mentioned, we've used um, Conscious Lead for a couple of our past leaders with with great results, but why don't you introduce the company uh, to uh, to our listeners? Yeah, for sure. Thank you, and and a long partnership. And uh, let me just start with that. It's a partnership with my wife and business partner Dale Allen of Forty Under Forty fame, of course. Yes. And as you said, two decades in this game, and so started as these youngsters who heard about this opportunity and just serendipitously got the, the license to an international organization, Leadership Management International, the youngest licensees uh, in, in the world in, uh, of a company in over 60 countries. And we grew and just had a great time in the development, our own development and supporting even you know tech companies right from the start. We worked with every industry imaginable. And there was something with that that we, you know, we were working a lot with smart goals and productivity and delegation and there was actually an organization that had a lot of, well, it was in the federal government and, and there was, we were, we were so widespread and they did a survey of like, why do people keep going to Trevor and Dale? And we have all these internal programs that they can be going. And they, it was actually just a catalyst for us. They, they said, well, we're, we're really like, it's Dale and Trevor in their coaching and, and the programs were, yeah, yeah, they're okay. They're, they're great. But, and, and we evolved away from that company when we started learning. And this was probably, 15 years ago, getting deeper and deeper into neuroleadership, so brain-based brain leadership development. And, and we developed and designed Canada's first programs in that. And, and we got really deep into that neuroscience, which was exciting and it was new. And then it kind of became, but there's still like, what is, what is stopping free people from changing? So like the, the topic of this podcast, right? Like what is the fitness side of it? How do people stay ingrained in the habits? And, and just knowing the science didn't seem to be enough for them. And, and some loved it and some were like, well, what, are you talking, what are you talking about the amygdala and amygdala hijack and all this? You know, just, just tell me how I need to change. And, and we evolved further then into this conscious leadership, which is now so meaningful to us and has created so much change in our own lives. So we, we still, we work globally now. We, we run some programs locally and uh, it's just a joy to do what we do on the planet. You know? Excellent. Go ahead, Susan. Well, I'm, I'm excited to have you here, Trevor, um, um, because I can see like there's a number of ways that um, uh, leaders, founders, 
and their companies can work with you. So in your online programs, you run workshops um, as well as working directly with an organization should they want to um, help elevate uh, the conscious leadership of their team, right? True. Yeah, and 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 we have been down that path with a lot of leaders where we we go into that CEO office and they say, yeah, I really, you know, you really need to work with my people. You know, we need to fix things up around here, make it better, more collaboration. And and we would go down that path at times, and it would usually be a failure for yeah. all of us. And and we have you know over those decades developed the confidence to say, well, tell me more about that. And and you know very cunningly end up just working with that CEO first. It really is a, a top-down thing. And, and not only that, like we work in places where there are pods, especially large organizations, but there has to be willingness and openness from someone who wants to be that change. And in these smaller organizations, it really then does mean that CEO, that founder putting up their hand and saying, I'm, I'm experiencing the value of this for myself. And they start to become the change, but they need more support. And that's when we will roll things more into a team uh, endeavor. That's such a good point, Trevor, because um, I think what we're talking about here are what people can do for themselves. So if we're experiencing issues in relationships, the intention here is not to fix everybody else. It's to come within because it's usually an inside job. And certainly you can help with an inside job, right? Is that? <laughs> you're, you're singing from our songbook. Absolutely, Sue. Like it's, uh, it has to, you know, in any, you know, um, Dire Straits sing that song. Uh, every time I point the finger, there's three more pointing back at me. Um, it really is that, that, that once we start to change, the beautiful thing is everything begins to change because we shift our lens and our perspective about what it really is that's going on around us. And it's not that they are doing this to me. It's that this is how I'm reacting to that thing. And that thing it doesn't matter if it's a, an ice storm or an employee that's not delivering in the way that we would like or the economy or anything else, right? It's our own reaction to those things. And what type of outcome uh, can people uh, expect, Trevor? So if if you were, if, if someone's watching, let's say they're technology sector executive, they're open to this type of um, mental fit, fitness, mental agility, uh, what would that, like a program look like? How would you engage them and, and what could they expect to see? Yeah, great question. Thank you, Michael. So a lot of these founders CEOs, tech leaders are experiencing a lot of stress, a lot of fear, doubt, worry, but just an, an overwhelm of all that's going on and all that they feel that they are responsible for. And so the first big thing that people experience is sort of a uh, an assessment or evaluation of what is going on around me, what is going on within me. And then when we start to understand what we can control, which is really just in here, then uh, th there's almost a, a great release and a, 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 like a pressure relief valve is being pressed, you know? So that's the first thing even to get into, like Julie was saying, to, just to get some blood flow back to the prefrontal cortex that, that we can be more um, strategic and, and inclusive in our thinking. And, and so right away, that's the first thing. And then they start to, from that space, define what it is in the areas of their life that they want to shift on and they do goal setting. And so now we have clear intentions set and, and we start to look at patterns. So what is getting in the way of the achievement of those? Susan mentioned about habit stacking and um, just recognizing that there are shifts that we can make. And so as soon as we 
people come in and they kind of develop a roadmap for themselves to move through one of our processes. Then they are doing goal setting and having areas of focus before they receive the, the tools or the toys, as we like to call them, that they can pick up and explore and, and apply in their own life. We also bring people together in groups, which scares the heck out of people right from yeah. the beginning. And as soon, like, it, it's incredible. One of the biggest pieces of feedback we get from people is, wow, I didn't think I could get that comfortable and that open and honest that quickly. And, and it's a beautiful thing because as we do more of that in the world, each of us, that just opens all of us and it creates relationships that are so, so important to just getting stuff done, right? And so, so they develop the relationships, they use the tools and they start to recognize the patterns and the habits that aren't working for them. And, and we're just there to support them for at least a year. All of our programs have a year-long membership and we have weekly coaching. And we're, we're really there for a deep dive because we're in this for real change with people. And that's that's who we work with. You know? Okay. We probably have one uh, time for one more question, Susan, if you want to go ahead. Yeah, I, I would just, um, I love the, the nuance that um, you apply to this. So things like habits are, you talk more in, in terms of rituals. Um, and so I was just wondering if you wanted to kind of highlight some of that essence you meant toys is another one. Uh, so if you want to speak a little bit more to that, because I think people will get a flavor for that and, and that may resonate with those that are interested in a program like that. Sure. Thank you. And I think something important to share about this is this is this is my and Dale's life. Like for 20 years, this is the only thing we've done. You know, this is this is our our baby. And it all of what we um, share with others is through our own experience, tried and tested, you know, as side by side partners in life and business for 20 years. And Trust me, if I, we weren't in this industry, I'm not sure that that would have lasted. <laughs> and, no and, and parenting and economy breakdowns and homeownership and all of these things. And so it really is what, what we continue to learn is based uh, on, on the practices that we choose to have. And we think of, like you had mentioned, rituals versus habits. And, and a ritual is something like there's a beautiful statement I, I get from uh, my yoga practice, which is about devotion. And my instructor says, if you want to know what you are devoted to, just look at what you do on the regular. Mm, so and, and those habits really are our devotions. So we can create rituals for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something we have talked about this, Sue, that it, it, it becomes more meaningful. When I have a morning, and, and Susan, you're, you're great at these. You have so many beautiful rituals that you've shared with me, and I'm grateful for it. That, that they become something that we look forward to. They become embodied in us through a desire versus through any sort of uh, force or, or a pushing, you know? And so we're doing things that light us up and lighten us up. And that is what, you know, and we like to have fun in our programs. And, and that's such a big part of opening the brain. And so we do all of this in an effort to just have people experience the change for themselves. And then we want them to be that change and have a ripple effect in their businesses, in their families, in their communities. I think I need a devotion beyond brushing my teeth in the morning. That's what I've learned so far. Anyway. You sure do. Yeah, I do. I, like, I'm not joking. I do. Uh, listen, Trevor, we, we've come to the end of our time here, but uh, tell us how uh, people can connect with Conscious Lead. Consciouslead.life is, uh, you'll find all the info, maybe a little bit too much there. So um, yeah, you can find us on, on LinkedIn and all those usual channels at Conscious Lead. And please just reach out where we, we love meeting people and connecting people and just 
hearing where you're at and where you'd love to be. And if there's a path that we can see that, that we can guide, then we're always, we're always here for you. Dot life. I like it. And say, say hello to your wonderful wife, Dale, for us. So Absolutely. Uh, that, it's, uh, we, we only have a certain amount of uh, real estate on this, on the screen <laughs> here. We can squeeze you into that little box, but thank, thanks again. That's Trevor uh, Stevenson from conscious lead, another uh, great person working on uh, the mental fitness of people in our uh, community. So Susan, this, I think this really worked out. It was a it was a little bit of a flyer. We said let's not talk <laughs> about M and A. Let's not talk about preparing. You know, yeah. uh, for a venture capital deal. Let's talk about the people that are leading these enterprises and what their mental limitations are and how they can overcome them. What What are you thinking? I'm feeling really um, enriched. I feel uh, very joyful because I think this is a really I'm convinced, I fully believe that this is the type of thing that will really elevate um, the financial performance of companies. So I'm on trend with what um, our organization's all about. And we're trying to, uh, you know, expand that um, into ways that people can adopt into their lives. Um, and I love, you know, I think a lot of founders are insight junkies. And I'm thankful that what we're talking about here is insight's great. I mean, we all read a lot of books, a lot of Audible um, but putting it into habits and and then rituals and rituals really for me is about inspiration over obligation. You don't want that list that you're, you're going to feel bad if you don't get to it. No. What feels good? What are you inspired to do? And I love how Trevor talked about like where you spend your time, because we often think about where we spend our money is if you want to take that inventory of where you spend your money, that's what you value as a business owner and your business. But where is your time? And as a, a business leader, as a CEO, uh, look at that full picture, that 24 hours. And uh, what are those rituals? Um, and and how happy are you on an ongoing, consistent basis? And if you want to be happier, as I did, I was already a pretty happy person, but I have recognized in myself that in the last year, I deployed a lot of this and I, I feel it. And I just want to share that. So thank yeah. you so much for yeah, no, thank you for support. Too. Yeah, and I, I do think this is kind of in keeping with your brand. I mean, sometimes people might have thought of, I hope they don't, but Number yeah. Crunch is like a bookkeeping firm. And I think it's it's so much more holistic. And now you're demonstrating once again that, you know, an even bigger holistic view of not only the finances, but who's leading this, you know, what is their mental capabilities, we said. So I, I think it's very much in keeping with uh, with your vision for the company. So yeah, congratulations with that. Thank you well, so listen, much. and and before we wrap up, I was just going to get an update. Anything we should know uh, from Number Crunch? I know you're always <gasps> working. There's a new brand, for example. Yeah, so, so we have uh, a new new, brand. new website. But uh, tell us more. Yeah. So the key thing is we're shifting into functional areas. So I'm using the term FinOps a lot lately. Okay. So there's RevOps, and that's around invoicing, collections, and revenue reporting, so sales reporting. So we're expanding out into different functional areas, which I think will provide greater, consistent, high quality. So I already felt like we had a collective experience in here that um, made us a great choice, especially in the tech sector, because that kind of expertise companies need. They need to know they're working with a company that understands their industry. But we're in the, we're leveling that up now with um, this functional shift. So you'll be hearing more about that, I nice. think. I hope it's exciting to people. It's exciting to me. Yeah, <laughs> so. absolutely. And I, I, I just want to reiterate, I'm always so impressed by the, the number of clients that you've worked with in Ottawa. I think there's 
tremendous value in that because you gain all these insights and in what other companies are doing uh, and best practices and trends and and so on and so forth. So I, I, That's I think it, yeah. that collective knowledge and my business partner, Craig, is overseeing quite a bit. And and um, our team, we have a team of third, well, more than 30 now. Wow. Um, so we are ready and able to uh, support the, the companies here and navigate through these interesting times, lots of great opportunities ahead and lots of, you know, um, interesting um, shifts as well in the landscape. For sure. Well, thank you, Susan, for uh, being a supporter of Techopia. And thank you for what you're doing in a, in a, from a larger perspective for a city to, you know, create a stronger, more resilient ecosystem of technology companies. Thumbs up. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This has been yeah. great. Really it has been great. Yeah. All right. That's Susan Richards, uh, for, of course, the co-founder of Number Crunch. And uh, before we wrap up here, uh, let's take a look at some of the other great companies who support our Techopia project. Techopia is brought to you by many great sponsors, such as EY, building a better working world. Number Crunch, offering virtual CFO services for SaaS companies. Pearly Robertson Hill & McDougall, a leader in business and technology sector law. TD Bank, specialized programs for technology companies. The University of Ottawa Faculty of Engineering, creating the next generation of technical talent. Techopia is not only a podcast, we post new articles daily at obj.ca slash techopia. And if you're on YouTube, please subscribe and click the bell icon. Hope you enjoyed this uh, bonus episode of Techopia Live. Big thanks again to Susan Richards and Number Crunch for supporting the project. Uh, listen, if you're looking to delve more into the local tech sector, you should check out a magazine we launched just a few weeks ago, uh, techopiaeyinsights.ca. That, that URL will get you to the digital editions full of great stuff on the history of tech in Ottawa, who's up and coming, the established players, uh, all sorts of information and data in that magazine. Please check it out. I want to thank you for watching and or listening. This uh, this podcast is available on YouTube and it gets on LinkedIn, Facebook, all the audio channels. So lots of ways to continue to consume this. Uh, also, there's a great um, newsletter that comes out on Monday mornings. Uh, so you can go to obj.ca, click on subscribe to newsletters and find the Techopia one. That's all the time we have for today. Let's keep building Ottawa's technology utopia. That's Techopia. See you soon, everyone. Bye-bye.